0: Well, a pilot was uh, recently practicing some high-speed maneuvers in his jet fighter when he pulled up on the controls to take a steep climb up, and his plane actually dove down and crashed right into the ground. He was had uh, lost perspective. He was unaware of what was up and what was down because he didn't know at the time that he had been flying upside down. That's how Dallas Willard begins his book with his true story, his book Divine Conspiracy that's really all about the life that Jesus invites his followers into if they will enter into the kingdom of his father. And Willard paints this stark contrast between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Jesus' father's world, two very different realities, one that's upside down and the other one that's flying right side up. Now, kingdom is not a word that we use very often, that we hear used very often, but Jesus used it all of the time to describe reality, the way our world is supposed to work as designed by his Father. And Jesus uses the phrase kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven like interchangeably. And he uses these words all the time. They mean the same thing. They basically describe what real life under his Father's rule and reign looks like and how beautifully things in our real world work as we father, as we, as we follow his design and his purpose for us. The announcement of the kingdom of God was at the heart of everything Jesus taught and did. In fact, Mark tells us that Jesus came and he, and he was inviting people into his kingdom and he used these words as an invitation. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And Matthew says nearly the same thing. He uses just a little bit different wording. He says that Jesus came and began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And later Jesus will teach. He'll say, Seek first the kingdom of God. Make it your top priority. Make it the first thing in your life. Jesus really, really wants us to understand this idea about his Father's kingdom so that we can join him in it here and now. It's present. This is also the heart of our three-week series called Moving Out, as Doug said. Catching Jesus' vision of God's kingdom. And in particular, that outward movement of the kingdom. So Jesus shows up and he starts, he starts telling people, the moment you've all been waiting for is here and now. Stop what you're doing. Take your hands off the controls. You're flying upside down. He says, repent. He says, come to me and listen to me. I've got some great news to share. Not only can it save your life, Right? But it can it can actually show you how to really fly, how to really live. Let me renew your mind. Let me reorient you to the way life really works and help you to find your place in it, your purpose in it. And of course we know some fishermen and a tax collector and a zealot, this guy who was planning this violent overthrow of the, of the Roman occupation, they all decided to follow Jesus, to become his apprentices. That's what rabbis did. They went around and they looked for young students. To, to apprentice and to develop, to develop these young leaders, to teach them how to go out and reach next generations, to help them encounter God and follow in God's way. And so they all start traveling from town to town, and Jesus is not only preaching this same message everywhere he goes, right, that I have good news, the kingdom of God is here, but he's demonstrating this good news. And he's showing people, he's, he's healing the sick, and he's preaching good news to the poor. And he's and he's uh, freeing the people who are oppressed from sin and shame. And he's welcoming all kinds of outsiders who've been cast all the way to the furthest edges of the faith and the community. And this is good news It just cannot be contained. And we start to see this good news, like, just move out from Galilee, right, with Jesus and ahead of Jesus. It's moving out from Galilee, where Jesus started, to Jerusalem and to Samaria, to Judea and all over Syria. And we begin to see that this moving out with the good news, I think that anagraphic actually shows the movement. It'll start to move if you hit the next button. It doesn't just stay there where that little spot is. At least it's not supposed to. It's supposed to move out, right? This kingdom naturally produces an outward movement. And the crowds start to swell and they start to they start to come towards Jesus. And so Jesus takes his his disciples up on a mountainside and he starts to teach them, to explain to them what's happening and what's going on with this kingdom. And and he We, of course, know this is his most famous sermon ever. He's up on that hillside, so we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Very, very creative. And he starts addressing this upside-down nature of the the disciples' world and how the power and presence is available now of God's kingdom. And, And he's there on the move, flipping it right side up. And he says things like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy or fortunate are those who know their situation is desperate, he's saying. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God is saying, or Jesus is saying, God looks on favor on those who are sad. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are those who get overlooked and overshadowed or taken advantage of, even though they may be doing the very right thing. And blessed are the merciful and those who are persecuted and the peacemakers and those who suffer the disciples had to be sitting there thinking, what? Huh? This isn't, that's not right. Most people aren't blessed, but they're at the bottom of society. What on earth is Jesus talking about? This is all backwards. But Here's what's actually happening as Jesus is teaching his disciples. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, we read that, and the, and the disciples would have known this, that God tells Moses To have the priest pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the entire time Jesus is sitting on that hill as his disciples are looking at him, Jesus is actually looking out. His face turned towards all of these people who have gathered there. The poor and the meek and the sick All these people he's just been describing and they are blessed by Jesus. In the flesh, God is now making his face shine upon his people. And he's bringing and speaking to them grace and kindness and goodness. All these people who have been left outside the kingdom, who have been excluded, are now in the presence of the king and his kingdom. He has the key he is the key and he's saying to them, look, everybody who has turned their face to me, now my face is shining on them. Anyone who turns to me can enter into this kingdom. That was his message. Jew, Gentile, slave, free, man, woman, rich, poor, Democrat, Republican, sinner, or even Cyclones fan, right? You now have access to God's kingdom, his peace, his powers, forgiveness and mercy, his love. His goodness, his riches, that is good news. Do you know anyone in your world who could use this good news? Maybe it's you. But you know anybody else? Our world is in desperate need of good news. Who is going to take this good news to these people? How will you move toward them? Jesus continues to teach. He says, now that it's here and among you, you're in the midst of my kingdom. He says, I need to show you how to how to stay here, how to live in this kingdom. And one of the first things he says is, um, you might think that I've come to abolish the law. Think again. He says, I have not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. And just like Moses, who went up on on a mountainside and and God gave him his commandments there, Jesus is now on this mountainside and he's giving his disciples a new way to, to live. And instead of a new law, he's showing them a new way of life that's built on love. Love of God and love of others, just as important. And again, Jesus addresses this stuff that's upside down in the disciples' world. And he'll say things like, you've heard it was this way. Well, let me tell you this, it's actually more like this. He says things like, you shall." You heard it was said that you shall not murder, but I say that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. He says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at another with lustful intent has already committed adultery in their heart. It be better for you to cut out your eye and remove it and throw it away. It was said, whoever divorces his wife and gives her a certificate of divorce, let them give her a certificate of divorce. But I say everyone who divorces except for on the grounds of sexual immorality makes their partner commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced person commits adultery. I imagine... Disciples and everybody were starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable at this point. I know I read these words and I'm starting to feel a little bit uneasy. I'm starting to rethink, where's the good news, Jesus? Right? And this is just the beginning of Jesus' sermon. He goes on to say some really, really radical things. Like, resist the one who's evil and strikes you and turn your other cheek. Let him hit that one too. Or, or if he sues you, give them the clothes, clothes off your back. He'll say, you've heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I can only imagine how the grumble started to go through that crowd. These are people who have been oppressed for years by an occupying corrupt government, not of their choosing. And the world would tell them, fight for your rights, defend your privilege, stand up and protect yourselves. And Jesus is saying, no, there's a whole other way to flip this world right side up. And it sounds Absolutely ridiculous. And the kicker to all of this, the clincher, Jesus says, unless your righteousness, unless your obedience and your right living surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, the very people who made it a career to know and follow every bit of the law down to its tiniest letter, unless your righteousness surpasses theirs, you will never enter, never enter the kingdom of heaven. What the heck? Right? I mean, what happened to good news? It's impossible. It's like Jesus is coming along and saying, the kingdom of God is here. Those who are perfect, come on in. It's impossible. Right? There's not a lot of good news in that, at least not for me. My friends invited me one time to go to the Super Bowl. It was actually Super Bowl forty-five, And it was my favorite team, the Sixburg Steelers. The only team was six Super Bowl rings, right? They're playing my other favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. I still wanted Pittsburgh to win. And so it was like my dream Super Bowl. And they, uh, they all my friends were going, and, and they had a place to stay. I had a way to get there. I had the blessing from my wife, and everybody was all excited to go. The only problem was I didn't have a ticket. And I didn't have the $3,561 to buy a ticket on the secondary market. Yeah, that's exactly what they cost, actually. And so I had to... My friends went off. I had to settle for hearing all of their great stories when they came back. And how awesome it was, and how fun it was. Good for them, right? I would have been better not but better off not knowing, not even being invited. Although it was kind of good because the Pittsburgh Steelers lost and my friends brought me back a hat that said that they actually won. So <laughs> This is not good news. This is not the experience I was looking for, right? This is a fake. And why paint a picture of something and tell people to come in if it's not possible for us to be a part of it? Right? Jesus doesn't come to abolish the law. Right? He actually raises the bar that was already too high for most of us to reach, for any of us to reach, and he demands a perfect performance from us. And here's the deal. I think if we look at this teaching, of Jesus as the rules that we must obey to gain entrance into the kingdom of God, we are all doomed. We're all doomed. Jesus says, I have come to fulfill the law. I know the way into the kingdom. And he turns in the perfect performance and then he writes our name on that scorecard and he hands it to us. He says, here's your championship hat. The Steelers actually did win even though they lost, right? They're winners. And we put this hat on, right? And when we do, when we accept this gift and we put it on ourselves, we start to be able to see his message as actually good news for us and for our neighbors and for our friends and our families that Jesus is actually trying to help us flip our lives right side up and live into this new way of life in his kingdom. And it's beautiful. and It's what we most desire actually for ourselves and for our families, for everybody around us. That's grace and one of the marks for us who are on mission here at Orchard Hill Church ought to be that we are growing in our love of God and one of the ways to measure whether we're growing and how we're growing in this love is to ask ourselves some questions like am I trusting more and more in Jesus grace and living by living more and more into his way of life Is grace helping me to enjoy God and God's presence and His gifts and His kingdom more and more? And is my life helping others to grow in their love of God? Jesus knows the best way to live, to bring us happiness, to make us holy, to bring freedom into our lives. And he teaches this way, knowing full well that we will fall short, but always encouraging us with the assurance that he has paid every cost for the entry requirements into his kingdom so we can forget what's behind and press on further upward and outward into his kingdom. Jesus' death and resurrection, his resurrection reminds us that his Spirit is with us at work in us to will, to give us the desire and to act, right? To fulfill his purpose, to live more and more into his kingdom every day. That's the work of grace. It empowers us to live into this counter cultural, counterintuitive way of Jesus, and to keep going even when we stumble or fall. That is grace. we're going to talk a lot more about this in our summer series when we dive more deeply into the Sermon on the Mount. But there's another aspect of the kingdom that we really want to focus on the rest of our time this morning and in this series, and it's what we mentioned earlier. It's this outward nature, outward-moving nature of the kingdom and of the king. And we see it not just in Jesus' words, but in his actions. Right after Jesus finishes teaching on that hillside, Matthew gives us a few stories that show Jesus moving out and making a beeline for the margins with this good news. He goes, first of all, to the to the person he considers farthest, the world considered farthest from the kingdom of God. And he doesn't just teach his disciples, but he, he doesn't just teach us, but he shows us and tries to demonstrate to us how the kingdom works, how and what love of others requires. It's at the heart of the king. So Jesus and his followers are always moving out. And it's not always just to easy to reach people and places. But Jesus often goes to those furthest away. Matthew tells us the story. He says, when Jesus came down from that mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and he knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand And he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. There was no other group of people more excluded from the community of God or any other community for that matter than lepers. They were banished from life and from the community of life in Israel. In fact, they weren't even allowed inside the walls of the cities of Israel. And the people were afraid to go near them. They were instructed not to go near them. They were afraid they'd get infected and it'd spread this disease. And and religious leaders like Jesus weren't allowed to get within six feet of people with leprosy or they would be considered spiritually infected themselves. These, These lepers weren't just considered unclean in God's presence. They were considered under a curse of God. And Jesus, rather than turn away... Rather than, like, ask the guy to leave or shout at him from a distance, you're healed! He moves towards the man. He puts his hands on the man's face, on his skin, and he heals him. Can you imagine being kicked out of every community you've ever experienced, out of every group, being excluded? And, I mean, you haven't had a meaningful conversation with anyone, For years, let alone felt the touch of another human being. And now Jesus moves towards you. And he puts his calloused, strong hands right up on your face. And he starts talking to you with compassion and with mercy and with power. And he heals you. Can you imagine what this must have been like? It was shocking for everyone there, especially for that leper. Right as Jesus moves out and brings the kingdom into their lives. And Jesus consistently, intentionally moved towards those furthest on the edges. He shared the good news that God is for them and God loves them. And he touched them and he healed them. And Laura Hoy is going to come next week and talk about how Jesus actually invited them to his father's table to have a seat at his father's table in the kingdom. I remember my first trip to Mozambique, Uh, Neil and Barb McMahon, uh, led our our church on this trip. That's them with uh, with one of their the kids that they sponsor. It was an amazing experience to see uh, sponsors meet the children that they were sponsoring. It was incredible, and incredible to see all of these kids, all around the area. They're smiling and laughing and singing and dancing. It was beautiful. And then we met Vita. And Vita was this tiny little three-year-old who was hiding in her hut because she was ashamed because she had this infection that had begun on her eye and it was a fungus that was actually starting to eat away at the skin and had replaced a third of her head and her face with this, with this fungus. And she was sitting there in the, in the hut and Barb McMahon just walked right into that hut and she picks this little baby up, this little girl up, and she holds her and she just starts talking tenderly to her and to her mother And she's holding her and she's praying with her and holding her close. And we're all praying in that hut. And then we go away for a while and that night and and Neil, who's a surgeon, starts digging through some of his meds that he's brought and he finds a medicine that maybe we could take divided to help help her. And then we go back the next day and again Barb just makes a beeline for this girl with this fungus and I had pictures but I decided it would be better not to show you these pictures. And Barb picks her up again and is holding her close and she just starts cleaning the infected area of her head and face and she starts applying this medicine with her own hands right there as as the village the people just start pressing in around us and there's a whole crowd just gathering around us watching as Barb is putting the medicine on on little Vita and then we all said a said a prayer together both leaders from that village and people in our group it was amazing and we're getting ready to leave and one of the men, one of the leaders of the village, stops us. He has something to say. He looks at us, and you want to know what he said? I kid you not. He said, "There's a uh, there's a witch doctor that lives just up the up the mountain, a little ways from where Vida's hut is." And he said, "But today, today, the kingdom of God has advanced up this mountain because of the courage of this little girl." To trust God and to trust these people God has sent to bring her some healing. And the, the kingdom of God is moving up this hill because of some people that God sent to come close, to touch this little girl, to bring healing, to display Christ's mercy and compassion here with us. Through Vida's courage, the witch doctor's influence has lessened and the kingdom of God has expanded. I'm the guy who thinks 16 feet away is too close when somebody else is sick, right? I'm the guy who slides the meds under the door when my kids or my wife is sick. You know, you can help yourself, right? It was incredibly encouraging and inspiring and challenging for me to watch Barb care for this little girl and to watch others, and I had the experience of going on to Haiti and watching my own daughter Just draw close to these little Haitian children and and hold them close and and talk kindly to them and speak to them in their own language, to learn their language and speak to them and to wipe their noses and to see people like Tyler and Kelsey Kunkel, who I saw walking today, and, 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 and Ben Bartlett go into these huddles, into these huts with their sponsored children and not just tell them that God loves them, but show them. That God loves them and God is for them. And I can't tell you how blessed I was to experience this. This kingdom of God on these trips. Moving out with Jesus and his church in this way has given me a greater longing for God's kingdom, right? And a deeper understanding of how moving out helps us and others move further up and into that kingdom. And I know not everyone can go to Mozambique or to Haiti but we can all take steps to move out towards people, right? I would encourage you, take time to stop by that sponsorship wall on your way out of here this morning. Look at the faces of those kids. Talk to the sponsored parents. Hear their stories. Right, They're just like you and me, people. Some of them are you, right? You saw their pictures, their faces of these kids. You move towards them. You decide to sponsor them. You start writing letters to them. You start to get to know them. And the next thing you know, some of you may be going to see them on these trips. Or maybe there's people in your own community, your own neighborhoods, right here, who are furthest out from the kingdom, who you can take a step towards. Bring that kingdom to them. Jesus didn't stop with the leper. Uh, Matthew says he continued moving out, right? He moved out to a centurion. Jesus said uh, that when Jesus had entered uh, Capernaum, a centurion comes to him and asks him for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Should I move even closer, even further out? The centurion is a captain of the occupying Roman army. He's an enemy of the nation of Israel. And yes, he has shown great faith by acknowledging that Jesus has authority, that Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And and Jesus is astonished at his faith, but he is the despised oppressor. And Jesus says to the centurion, go and let it be done as you believed it would. And for those watching, those who were part of that, their world has just been rocked, right? Right? Jesus has just cozied up to the, to the enemy. Instead of using His power to confront the enemy, to overthrow the enemy, to take the enemy on, Jesus uses His power to actually help the enemy. One of the truest, hardest measures of how well we are encountering and following God to bless a broken world and how well we're helping next generations to do the same thing is to think about how well am I doing at loving my enemies? That's the radical world of Jesus' kingdom. And we know, I mean, families, this whole political campaign season, right? Uh, work situations, youth sports, there's lots of things that give us opportunities to make enemies. Question is, are we moving towards our enemies and bringing them wholeness and peace and grace? Are we willing to serve our enemies? Are we willing to acknowledge when we're wrong? Maybe even learn from our enemies. Are we are we moving out and forgiving our enemies? Jesus would move on further and further out. In fact, the next story Jesus tells, you're going to have to read this for yourselves. And I encourage you to go and read the book of Matthew. But he moves out to a mother-in-law next. And we all know it doesn't get any further out than a mother-in-law, right? I can say that because mine's vacationing right now on the Gulf Shores and she won't hear this. And she didn't invite me, so I'm upset about that. We know that women were oppressed and women's place was in the back of the church and behind screens and there were all these rules about women and there were all these prayers that men would pray, thank God I'm not a woman, right, the Jewish men. And Jesus comes and he changes those prayers and he breaks those rules. He moves away from the law of the day and the rule of the day and moves out towards people to include people and give them big roles in this kingdom movement. And he paints several stunning pictures Of the kingdom of God. I encourage you, go home and read the gospel of Matthew and then pray and ask Jesus to show you how might you take steps to move further out and into his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Father, your kingdom is what we most desire in our lives. You created us, you designed us, you've given us a purpose. And you know it better than anyone else. You know it better than we ourselves know it. Yet sometimes we resist. Sometimes because we're flying upside down and we don't even know it, we're disoriented. We ask that your Spirit would move into our lives and reorient us. Lord, we know that this this movement of life that you're longing to bring isn't going to happen just because we come here on a Sunday morning and we sing really great songs and we have a great building to worship in and we've got coffee and all this stuff. It's not going to come because we wear certain clothing or bumper stickers on our car or we know that there are children and there are families and there are people in our world even here in this room today just waiting for someone to come and show them who and what matters most to you jesus you're the key so help us to uh to receive you more fully and then to go out boldly with your grace and your kindness to love and serve our world so in your name we pray Amen.